Well, good morning. Our kids are, are staying in with us uh, this morning. We're, uh, we weren't sure how many people were going to be able to make it with, with the rain. So kids, you can draw a picture. Or if you uh, want to listen to the sermon, you can be part of that too. Uh, it's, it's a blessing, blessing to uh, be, be together. A few updates about our kids' ministry. Um, we've set a goal of raising $4,000 in August. Um, to redo some kids' rooms and spaces, and several of our groups have already started to do that. And we're almost done with August, and we're at $2,700. So that is awesome. We're getting close to the goal. I know many people will be watching uh, from home today, um, so you have no excuse. Just go to glendale.church. It's okay. You can um, go, go do that right now. Uh, I'm just excited uh, to be able to have that and be able to share uh, in that space uh, for our kids and to just re-envision uh, that, that kids' ministry. So I'm excited about uh, that happening. Uh, for those watching from home, we understand that it's going to be uh, more, a little more than usual, as Austin uh, mentioned. So if there's something that, that you like in the sermon, say, hey, that was a good point, or you agree uh, or you disagree theologically, just go ahead and write that in the chat, too. I'd love to hear um, those on, on the way. But it's, it's a blessing. It's to be together for those um, who who are here. I also want to give a special word of thanks to all our volunteers and our band uh, for being here today. Give them a hand. Thank you for them um, being, being here and, and being, being part of that. It's a, just a blessing uh, to, to be uh, together. I also want to mention we're going to do a game night here at church. Um, the evening before Labor Day, Sunday, September 3rd. And it's going to start at 6 for the games, but we're going to start at 5 p.m. if anyone wants to come play laser tag. Um, and that is for everybody. It does not have to be just for children. Um, but I will do some laser tag at 5 and then do board games and everything at 6. So mark your calendars. We'd love to have you. We'll have the bounce house out and I'll have just a great time together uh, the night before Labor Day. So we've been doing a series on the Psalms, thinking about the songbook of Israel. And it's been fun uh, to have people come and, and share a song that's, that's meaningful to them. This morning I've asked Wayne Baldero to come and share a song that's meaningful to him. So please welcome Wayne up. He'll be sharing right now about a song that uh, has a specific meaning for him. So thank you for sharing, Wayne. Thank you, Brian. So um, Brian did reach out to me this week and asked me if I would share a song and I wrote back, yes, of course, I'll be honored. And then I put my phone down and looked at it and said, what did I just do? <laughs> and uh, I immediately went to my computer and um, I remembered, I don't know how I wound up with it, but I have a whole file on my desk of Brian's songs from when you were in college. I think you were probably a freshman in college. There was nothing in there that I could, that I could share, um, but I will, you know, for a small fee. Um, but, it, you know, it was difficult uh, in reaching back into my life and into how important music has been in my life. In fact, uh, I would say that music moved in my life and during the time that I lived from the background to the foreground. Uh, I lived during a time when uh, there were songs that really resonated with society um, and resonated with movements in our society, be they peace movements, social justice movements, and all of those kinds of things. And I could have chosen one of those songs. 
Uh, I've lived in a time in my life when uh, music became very much a, uh, a spiritual thing for me in terms of classical music. I love classical music. I love jazz. Um, I love probably all forms and natures of music. But there is one um, person who resonates with me personally, and that's a gentleman by the name of Matt Redman, uh, who has written many, many uh, songs that we sing. And there's a story about, um, he leads a worship in a church in the UK, and there was a season in that church where the pastor said, we're doing away with musical instruments for a year because they've become too important for us. And we want to try for a season where we sing a cappella. And this was not an a cappella church. This was not a group of people who were used to singing together. In fact, if you go to some other churches that have not had an a cappella tradition, you will see probably mouths closed when the worship is going on. They just are not in tune with, with singing uh, like we are here, which I am grateful for. Um, and from that came uh, his song, uh, The Heart of Worship, which I think many of us have sung and, and know. And when he sang that the first time, there was a real reaction uh, from, the, from the congregation that this was really what it was about. But I'm going to talk a little bit about another song that he wrote. Um, it's called You Never Let Go. And it's, I'm going to read to you a couple of passages that have been written not only by Matt himself, but by other people about this song and its importance uh, to us as Christians. Red, Redmond's inspiration for the song, You Never Let Go, is Psalm 23, verse 4. As opposed to what he describes in the daily drumbeat of the dark, disturbing, depressing news that fills our TV screens on a daily basis, amen, for Redmond and his wife, in a personal way, they say, you never let go, flowed from the aftermath of a miscarriage of a child Beth was carrying, coinciding with the terrorist bombing in London, a depressing and dark time for them. From his website, one can read Redmond's own words about the song and the title of the album called Beautiful News, on which the song appears. Redmond writes, it's truly beautiful news, which is a phrase that I had in my songwriting notes for a little while. He also shares in his blog something interesting, but perhaps not really unexpected. Apparently, the song has caused people to write him about the, how God has been at work personally for them and how the Lord never lets go. It's compelling that the words of a 3,000-year-old thought that David first penned for the believers still has the attention of people today in a 21st century song. I don't know that we've ever sang this song here together. Um, and if we have, I apologize for not paying attention. <laughs> but I want to read uh, a few of the lyrics. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back. I know you are near. And I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. And if my God is with me, then whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I believe it's important for us in our walk 
to know that God is there in all of our situations, be the good ones where we thank God for the blessings and for the sad ones where we thank God for the trials and tribulations that we have to endure in this life. I personally am very grateful for those situations because I've lived through a number of different ones, but I've always felt like I've felt stronger in my relationship with him because of it. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. And it's, it's been so interesting to see God working this because I, um, I don't, whenever I ask someone to share a song, I just say a song, whatever you want. And it always happens to be exactly on theme. So it's been awesome to see how God's spirit is, is working in that. We'll be talking about that in just, just a minute. But I want to start by talking about how uh, my wife almost got me fired from this job. Um, um, <laughs> so... <clears throat> Uh, we were getting married. Uh, I'd been at the church for about, about a year and we were getting married and the church very kindly threw us a, a wedding shower. And uh, while uh, we were doing that, they said, oh, we're going to do like a newlywed game situation. And so I had to leave the room and Mandy had to answer questions about me and then I had to come back into the room. And so uh, I'm, I'm out of the room, then I come back into the room and, and then uh, the question was, um, who's Brian's favorite musical artist? And I said, mm, I don't know, uh, jars of clay, I don't, I don't know. And then um, <laughs> the person said, Mandy said Eminem. And I'm like, Mandy, what on earth? Like, <laughs> and ba back at this time, this, the church was a majority like older people. And I actually survived, I think, because they didn't know who that was. Uh, like, that probably was what, what saved me. So thanks a lot, Mandy, for uh, you could have just gone like a Christian uh, song. But one, one thing that has, has struck me about the, the music of, of Eminem and some music like that is just being able to say hard stuff. And Eminem says it very fast. I've tried to do karaoke Eminem, very dangerous, um, but it's also, uh, it's amazing how, how fast he, he writes it. And it's um, unbelievable lyrics. And what you see, as, as Wayne was just mentioning, is as, as you think about um, the, the life in general, there's just, there's going to be highs and lows. And oftentimes I don't think we do a good job um, knowing that God can be with us even in the lows. And there are things that we experience in the lows that, you know, maybe you wish you never had to experience, but there's things that you learn during that season. And as I've been looking at, at the Psalms again, it's been a blessing to just see how often the psalmists are expressing uh, really difficult things. And I don't think we do a great job at church necessarily uh, recognizing that. There was a study done of kind of the American church songbooks. And so they looked at all different denominations. And this person who was doing the study came back and determined that 85% of the songs that are in kind of the typical American church songbook today are songs of, of celebration. And as we talked about last week, that is a, an element of the Psalms, but only 15% were expressing, you know, doubt or, or struggle or just being able to hang on. We sang one of them today. I mean, one of the beautiful old hymns, it is well with my soul. I, I love that song. It's one that, that is so, so moving to me that it expresses that there's the, these lows and, and these highs of life. Yet even so, I'm going to choose to see God in this moment. And as Wayne said, it's sometimes in, in those lows that we're able to find some different sort of meaning and we wouldn't wish to go through them again, but there's something powerful that happens when we turn our attention to God in those spaces. And the Psalms express stuff that 
oftentimes we don't express to God. So Psalm 31, nine says this, be merciful to me, Lord, for I'm in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. God, I'm struggling here. Psalm 6, 6, I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. And I could have picked any. There's so many of these sorts of just talking about real life. This is a hard season for me. God, this, this is difficult. This is happening and, and I'm, I'm struggling. God, there's a tropical storm coming here. We have no idea what's going to happen. As, as we experience just the, the difficulties of life, the Psalms invite us to express these things to God. And it's something that I think we all struggle with as, as humans, but specifically, I think Americans, Americans are built on efficiency and just more and more and more and always just kind of ignoring problems and just moving on. There's a therapist who works specifically with CEO level people who experience burnout at some point in their lives. Sometimes it's like a midlife crisis and they've reached the end of the rope. They've been super successful. These are the people who, you know, go get their MBAs at Harvard or go through law school in a year. I mean, these types of people who are super successful and doing all this unbelievable stuff, but oftentimes they, they reach a point where it's like, you know, what's the point? What's the purpose of all this? And this therapist actually specializes in, in working with people who are in this and having this experience. And you're like, wow, I'd love to have that problem. You know, that'd be cool to experience that. Uh, but uh, oftentimes people come to the end of their rope after maybe getting to the pinnacle um, of their career. And so one exercise that she gives uh, to these individuals is she pairs them up and she asks them to do a 30 minute call weekly where they talk to each other and 15 minutes is one person sharing and 15 minutes is, is the other person sharing. And what they do during that sharing, the 15 minutes each, is they listen and they offer no advice. So just what's going on in your family? What's the struggle at work? How are you feeling? And not, oh, you know what? I did that once. Let me, let me tell you what I did when I experienced it. Oh, yeah. No, I remember when my company was going through No, it's just 15 minutes of express your problems to me. And at the beginning of this process, the therapist says it's always brutal for these people to do that. They, they just don't even know how to do it. But by the end, she says, it's often the thing that people say is the most life-giving part of the entire process. We're not very good at just saying our stuff and then not rushing in with an answer. That's what we see expressed in the Psalms. And I wish that somehow I could, you know, wave a, a wand over all of us and just make our life just great all the time. I wish that there was just like treble, you know, just the high notes that we were just, you know, experiencing joy in every single moment, but there's just going to be bass notes to life. There's going to be those times when you need to read the Psalms and recognize just the expression that's there. One that I'm thinking of just, just on my mind 
As Awesome mentioned, our good friends Johan and Linka are moving back to, to Sweden, and that's just a part of our church. I feel like part of our church is to be a home in L.A., and it is somewhat of a sending church that people are here uh, for a season, and we get to experience that together, and then uh, we, we say bye to them. That's a part of the nature of, of working in, in Los Angeles uh, for me and just as a, a church uh, community. But one thing, even though I wish that didn't happen, I wish that like only the good people stayed and then like we'd have like this awesome experience that would be nothing but, but fun uh, all the time. But one thing that's a blessing about saying goodbye to people, people that maybe you've spent a meaningful two and a half years with, is you get a chance to say, hey, hey you really meant a lot to me during this season. And this is why. And it helps me to think not only about the fact that I get a chance to like really express to someone how much they've meant to me, but it also gives me the opportunity to be thankful for everyone who is still a part of our community, everyone who still is a part of, of like what we're doing here. And it helps me to have an appreciation. So I wish the base note didn't exist of the fact that people do leave and, and come and, and go, but I'm thankful for it because it helps me to have a different sort of meaning for the people that I do continue to interact with. The Psalms say in Psalm 10:1, why Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 35, 17, how long will you look on? Rescue me. From their ravages, my precious life from these lions. One of the things that's interesting is the, the Psalms don't only express at times, hey, here, here's what's going on with me. Let me tell you, you know, why this is a difficult situation or this is what's going on. It gets a little bit accusatory. Like, God, aren't you supposed to be good? Aren't you supposed to be like the love guy? Like what, what is happening here? As I look around, as I think about my experiences and what is happening and what I'm enduring, as I think about, you know, other people who seem to be having success, like, how am I supposed to deal with this? And there's times in all of our lives where we need to be able to express those things, to say to God, you know, what, what is this that I'm experiencing? God, isn't this supposed to be different? Whenever we experience those base notes, I know it's, it's hard for us to, to believe that, that God's presence is with us in that moment. But I invite you to think about the characters of Scripture who again and again show us this type of situation. And one verse that's just honestly somewhat haunting to me is, is found in the story of Joseph. If you know Joseph, um, there's a long story and we can't get into all of it, but he continues to be faithful, even though he is handed some really difficult cards and he finds himself in, in prison because he's accused of something uh, that, that he didn't do. And there's this very odd verse. Go ahead and put that up for me in, in Genesis chapter 39, which tells us Joseph's master took him and he goes into prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. His kindness, and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So Joseph does what he's supposed to do, and Joseph finds himself in prison. But while he's in prison, the Lord was with him. And he's in prison for a few more years. You're like, wait, what? The Lord was with him? And this is a consistent theme in Joseph's life. It continues to have this. The Lord was with him. Even though this was difficult, the Lord was with him. Even as this continued to happen, the Lord was with him. And you're like, wait, if that's what it's like, then I don't necessarily want the Lord to be with me. 
I don't necessarily want to explain that. That doesn't make any sense. You want to say the Lord is with him. So Joseph got out of prison and then like eventually just like one on the S and it's like none of the, the, he was in prison and the Lord was with him and he hung out in prison a little longer. Think of John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, who honestly is like, I think portrayed as about the perfect human being close to Jesus. He continues to do what he's supposed to do, even as he's gaining more and more fame. And he continues to do what, what God has called him uh, to do. And he finds himself in prison because he's speaking out against a king. And then as he is struggling with his own faith, as he's wondering, you know, am I about to be put to death? I don't know what's about to happen. He sends a messenger from prison to Jesus and basically says, are you the one who's to come or not? Because, you know, I could use a little bit of help here. I'm, I'm your cousin, Remember all the stuff I did for you? Remember that dramatic baptism scene when I said like, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. Remember that stuff? I did a lot of good stuff. So are you the one who's to come or what? And Jesus's answer is, is fascinating. He says, well, go, go tell John. Like John's experiencing this really difficult situation. And in fact, it's not going to end well for him if you read the rest of the story. Like just go tell John, messenger, that blind people are receiving sight, that I'm preaching good news to the poor. It's gotta be like, wait, the messenger's like, that's not a great message, right? I mean, yeah, there's John, just FYI, there's good things that are happening outside of your prison walls. And I haven't forgotten you, even though this is really difficult. You kind of want to say, wait, was there like some rivalry between you guys? What happened? Aren't you going to go help them? And later, Jesus says, of those born of a woman, and trivia question, what percentage of people are born of a woman? Yeah, it's remarkably high. Um, <laughs> among those born of a woman, there's nobody better than John. He says this. I love John. But... I'm not going to do what he wants me to do. But that doesn't mean that I love him any less. I feel like you could have that same rhythm about John's life as we see in Joseph's. You know, the, the Lord is with him. Even though John wouldn't choose to be in this situation, there's a pastor who, who says this this way, complaining about God is a sin, complaining to God is a psalm. And I don't know, I, I don't necessarily agree with the first part. I, I think you can complain about God. I think we're, we're invited at times to sit in community and just you know, question God's presence at any given moment. But, but I do appreciate the second part, that like when, when, when we complain in, in community together, there's something that is powerful in us expressing that this is, this is really difficult. How long is this going to be like this? God, it doesn't feel like your, your presence is with me in this given season. I'm struggling uh, with what is going on. But during the base notes of life, there are things that I know I've learned that I, I couldn't learn any other way. And I don't really want to go through them again. I don't wish other people to have to experience them. But that doesn't mean that I haven't learned some important stuff during those seasons. And God can do some, some powerful things through us. 
if we're willing to turn those things over. I think of so many organizations. There's uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving was started by a woman who tragically lost her 13-year-old daughter who was killed by a drunk driver. And so many organizations are, are like that, that someone experienced something incredibly hard and, you know, they could have at that moment just packed it in and said, I'm going to be just bitter for the rest of my life. And th- this sadness is going to be so difficult for me. I'm going to continue to walk with a limp for the rest of my life. And I- I'm just, you know, going to be so overwhelmed by grief. And I'm not saying that there aren't moments of that for people, but oftentimes it is these moments of, of pain that if we're willing to say, God, this was incredibly difficult. I don't know how to even make anything out of this, but I'm going to be creative in the moment of the sorting out the dust of my life. It's amazing what can happen when, when people say, all right, this happened to me and, and it's terrible and I wish it wouldn't happen to anybody, but I'm going to turn it over. I'm going to imagine something different. It's often in these, these base note lows that creativity can happen. That new ways can be imagined. New hope can be given, not just for an individual, but way beyond that. As I mentioned, every single week, people mention a song, and it's like kind of what I'm talking about. Wayne mentioned the section of Psalm 23. I wanted to talk about Psalm 23 today, which is arguably the most uh, popular um, verses of Scripture. I mean, it's, it's used oftentimes. You see it at funerals very often. But Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This is the NIV translation. This might be a little bit different. Um, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a beautiful passage of scripture. I mean, it's like, wow, I can see why that one's so popular. It's great. But I think the thing that we've done with it is we've made it a little bit of like a Hallmark card. And it's like, oh, like that's so comforting. And it's great that, yeah, there's going to be seasons of life where you're beside, you know, still waters and you're in like lush valleys. And I hope that during those seasons, you're going to be able to find God there. But then there's that line. It's translated here a little bit differently, darkest valley. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's the the highs of life. But it's also as I'm experiencing whatever is, you know, the most difficult for me, as I feel like God has abandoned me, as I feel like I'm alone, I recognize that you are there even with me. That your, your presence is, is with me. That even in that space, your, your rod and your staff is there. It helps me to move forward. And then further, you in that space, as you know, I'm wondering what's happening, as I'm questioning everything, you prepare a table and I sit across from an enemy. And I know maybe you're like, oh, I don't have enemies. Someone you're beefing with, all right? <laughs> so let's say it that way. Someone who you have a little bit of conflict with. There might be someone who, you know, you wouldn't necessarily choose to go to lunch with. And they might not choose to go to lunch with you. Maybe nobody comes to mind. And if so, awesome. Maybe someday they will. 
But as you think about, you know, somebody who you have, you know, some sort of history with that, that's difficult, like this is pretty profound that this passage is saying, like, because of who you are, you prepare a table before me with somebody who there is some level of conflict with, and I can sit there because of who you are. And I can sit in that space and I'm not going to be, you know, haunted by thinking about seeing them because of, of who you are. You prepare a table before me. And that's why we can't make this one a Hallmark card, because this is real. You know, even when I walk through that really difficult, painful season, you are there. And as I sit across from someone who I have conflict with, you are there. When you think about the biblical concept of, of shalom, this, this Hebrew word, and it's not a conflict-free life because that's impossible. It's even though there is conflict, even though there's things that would cause me anxiety, I am, am going to find peace in my real life. So I've been ministering here uh, for, for 15 years. And when I first started, I, I was a young minister. Uh, now I'm a little older and uh, hopefully the wisdom is coming soon. I don't know when that's going to drop, but I hope that's, that's coming soon. But I remember when I first started, when there was an issue, uh, I thought, man, you know, once we get past this one, oh my goodness. And once, once, once we're through this season, uh, once, once we like get through this transition or once, you know, this happens, um, or once this super angry person leaves, like well, once, once we get through that, then we're going to be good. But let me tell you something I've learned. There's just always something. <laughs> There's just always something. Sometimes it's burning a little hotter than others. Some seasons I would look back on and say, ah, that was a really difficult, yeah, if I'm ranking how difficult they were, but there's always something. What life is, is not getting to a point where you're just, you know, completely conflict-free. What I think maturity is, is learning to walk with God and have a certain presence about you even during those seasons of conflict. Finding ways to express to God, God, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on in me. And not just rushing in and, and thinking like, oh man, here's how you solve it. You know, self, you've been through this before. Here's how we solve this. No, at times we just have to say like, this, this, is, this is hard. But I recognize that consistently throughout scripture, just because people are walking through hard things doesn't mean that you've left them alone. Even though I'm walking through the darkest valley or even though I'm, I'm having, you know, a, a steak dinner with my enemy here. I recognize that you're with me. And I'm not going to be overcome by anxiety or difficulty as, as I am experiencing this because I recognize that you are with me. And I'm going to continue to choose to sing. And I'm going to continue to choose to try and put my perspective on you, even as I'm going through these difficult seasons. Because I believe you are with me. This is a picture of a woman named Sun Lee, and she was a, a South Korean woman who from 1987 to 1992 was in prison in North Korea. And while she was in prison in North Korea, she was in prison for something else, but she was imprisoned next to some Christians. 
And so she, during this time, as they um, were, were experiencing this sentence in really bad uh, prison conditions, um, she didn't become a Christian. But it was after she left prison that she decided to give her life to Christ. And, and she said the reason that she did was because she missed their singing. She was next to this group of Christians who in the midst of a really difficult prison circumstance wouldn't stop singing. And I think that is a beautiful picture of what it means to walk through the bass notes and, and treble notes of, of life with the perspective that just because this is really difficult, I realize that God hasn't left me here. And I'm going to choose to have hope. I'm going to choose to persevere. I'm going to choose to, to like sing, even as things are imperfect during this season. And I don't know what painful thing you are experiencing currently right now or what pain you will eventually experience. But as I said, I understand like some things in life are just really hard to deal with. And at the end of your life, like, you might be understanding, like, man, I, I understand, you know, I understand why she gave up. Or I understand why he gave up because it's it really hard what she was dealing with. But for me, I want to try to be the kind of person who, even during these hard seasons, I, I, I try to sing and I try to have hope and I try to have a perspective that's outside myself. Because over and over again, I have seen, even during difficult seasons, just as the story of Joseph tells us, that even as he's in prison for another couple years, God's presence is with him. And even as John the Baptist is like, hey, yo, Jesus, where are you at? Like, what's happening? Remember all that really great stuff I did for you? Jesus says, I'm active outside of the walls of your prison. And no, I'm not going to do what you think I should do for you. But that doesn't mean I love you any less. Among those born of a woman, there's not someone better than John the Baptist. So whatever it is that you're dealing with right now or what you one day will, I hope that you understand that you can express that to God because that's such a beautiful part of the Psalms. And honestly, it's something that we don't express enough in church. And I hope that you have some people to talk with at times when those seasons are hard to sit with you, to not just rush in and solve. And you recognize that there's going to be seasons of conflict that are unavoidable. But what I think transformation truly looks like is recognizing that God's presence is with us even in those dark valleys. And even as we have anxiety about a given situation sitting across from an enemy and God can still be present in those spaces. May we be like this, this group of, of prisoners who just wouldn't stop singing. It was so meaningful for somebody that that's what she missed. Let me read Psalm 23 again. Close your eyes. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. God, we, we pray right now for Southern California as uh, we just, we don't know what the results will be of this storm that is currently happening and will continue to happen. We pray that the storm will just continue to, to calm down. And I pray that our church will be a source of support and help for those who are in need in these next few weeks. Father, even as th this storm is happening, I know there are other things that are going on in people's lives. May we recognize that your presence is with us. Whether we go through dark valleys or whether it's a season of joy. May we recognize that you're with us even as conflicts are happening and maturity isn't just a lack of conflict, it's learning to walk toward those things sometimes even with you. Father, help us to remember these stories of scripture where we see men and women of faith who are able to get through whatever they're facing because of your presence and your steady hand. Father, help us to always remember that in the down beats, the bass notes of life, that you're there. May we find ways to sing to remind us of that. Your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen.